the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How to be a Christian. Oh, the bookshelves are full of books that deal with that topic, aren't they? Especially when you go to a bookstore or a library. How to be a better Christian. But here's a twist. How to be a man or woman of God. And there is a difference, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace. ministry of Reformed Heritage Church right here in San Jose. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, who returns us to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're looking at verses 11 through 19 today in a message called How to Be a Man or Woman of God. Now, this is different than trying to be a better Christian. You see, you can't be a better Christian unless you understand what it means to be a man or woman of God. For the distinction and clarification, let's catch up with Pastor Gary on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Our passage today begins with the phrase, man of God. And by Timothy's time, that phrase had a long history, and it was filled with significance. Because in the Old Testament, that phrase, man of God, was used for men that God puts in places of usefulness in his kingdom. Moses is called a man of God. David is called a man of God. Elijah is called a man of God. And now Timothy is addressed as a minister of the gospel as a man of God. But even though that phrase is directly and primarily addressed to Timothy, just like the rest of the book, this is a word of God that is addressed to his church And to the members of his church throughout the centuries. So you are a man or a woman of God if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but in a secondary sense. Primarily, the man of God is the prophets and the kings of the Old Testament. In 1 Timothy, the man of God is the minister of the word, but in another sense... And in a real sense, all Christians are men and women of God. So don't take that phrase lightly. It has a long history and it is full of significance. Now, how are you to live as a man or a woman of God? That's the point here of our text. Remember, God through Paul is telling Timothy how to relate to the church And to the world. And how to live in the church. And how to live in the world faithfully. As his people. So notice what he tells us. Here is how we are to live. If we are to live as men and women of God. Verse 11. This is not a light thing. Is it feel good all the time? Don't ever complain and live a happy life? 
do any of you have that translation? <laughs> I hope not. But please notice the verbs here. Because there are some expressions of Christianity, false expressions, that see the Christian life as passive. You just kind of lay back in the arms of God and fly up to heaven in flowery beds of ease. That you are a glove and the Holy Spirit is the hand. And you just sort of relax and rely on Him and let Him carry you through this world and the difficulties. Beloved, there is absolutely nothing passive about the Christian life. Before you became a Christian, you were totally passive in your relationship to God because you were dead. There was nothing you could do to please God before you were converted. Nothing. And then one day in your lives, either before or after birth, God reached down and raised us out of the dead spiritually. And he gave us power we never had before. And that power is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. So now Paul and God can say to us, there are things I want you to do. And there is a certain kind of life that I want you to live in order to be men and women who belong to me. And manifest that relationship before the world. And he says, I will give you the power to do it. But notice the verbs here. But flee, run away from these things, you man of God. Pursue, run after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. Oh, there is nothing passive about those words. Now, what things are we to flee from? To run away from, not to become accustomed to, not to peacefully coexist with, not to act like they're not important, but to run from them. It's as if someone is chasing you and you have to run away from them because you don't want that person to catch you and to harm you. You're running with all of your might. You're running away from all of these things. You're fleeing idolatry. And you're fleeing the things Paul just talked about. What are they? They are first, love of money. Look at verse 10. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. The love of money, desiring money, and the things money can buy more than anything else in this world. Then verse 3. Advocating a different doctrine. Than what God has taught us in his word. Not agreeing with sound words. Not agreeing with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his doctrine taught in scripture. That conforms to godliness. Run away from these things. Don't get accustomed to them. And don't think you can live with them. You cannot. Because if you stand still in them, they will overcome you and destroy you. Don't think you can stand up against these things. When you see evil seeking to seduce you and drag you down, run from it. You say, but Gary, that's a sign of weakness. You're right. 
It is a sign of weakness because you and I are weaker than we can ever realize. But Gary, you run from those things you are afraid of. Right. You run from those things because you are weak. And yes, you run from those things because you are afraid of trying to resist the powers of evil apart from a closer relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you live as a man or a woman of God in this world? You run from any association, any relationship, any place, any thing that makes it difficult for you to live for Christ. If anyone is trying to drag you down, run from them. I don't care who they are. Well, Gary, shouldn't I be friends with everyone? Sure. But you shouldn't be closely connected with people who will drag you back to your old self. Scripture says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't put yourself in places where you're going to be tempted to think in a way that is different from the way God commands us. Some of you are going to college. And others may be going in the not-too-distant future. Well, most of the colleges today are snake pits. They are indoctrination camps. Now, I'm not against going to college unless you can't handle what will be thrown at you. Don't put yourself in places that are too big for you to handle, where you will be tempted by young men, by young women, by professors, by liberal books. Don't even read certain books if you cannot handle it. Flee, run away from all the powers of darkness and anything that will make it difficult for you to hallow God's name, to do God's will and to advance God's kingdom. So you flee from these things. And you will run away from them. And then the next thing Paul says is run toward, pursue, chase after. Just as hard and diligent as you are running away from these things, run toward those things so that you will possess these things and manifest them in your life. And just as you are fleeing from sinful ideas and sinful temptations in this world, run towards righteousness and godliness and faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that not very many preachers preach on. It's in the book of Hebrews, and it says, Pursue, chase after, run toward. Pursue peace and holiness without which no man will ever see the Lord. And he's talking to Christians here. And he says, Christians, run after, pursue, seek to possess, to manifest, to cherish in your life peace and holiness of life without which no one will see the Lord. You know, there's a damnable heresy out there today that plagues evangelical churches. I mean, it is damnable and it is the carnal Christian heresy. They have a little multiple page track that talks about three kinds of people. There is the natural man 
who is, of course, the non-Christian. There is the carnal Christian, who is a Christian, but not living for God. And then you have the spiritual Christian, the Christian who is, of course, living for God. Now, what is telling are the little diagrams in that track that illustrate these three kinds of people. The diagram for the natural man is a circle, and in the middle of that circle is a throne. And sitting on that throne is a capital I. That describes the non-Christian who says, I am the captain of my fate. I am the master of my soul. I determine what I'm going to do in and with my life. As he shakes his puny little fist in the face of God. So the natural man, circle, throne, I. Now when you come to the carnal Christian... You have another circle. You've got a throne. You've got eye on the throne. But you've got a cross somewhere over in the far corner of the circle. So the only difference between the carnal Christian and the non-Christian is that the carnal Christian has asked Jesus into his heart. Beloved. Asking Jesus into a person's heart never saved anyone from hell. Show me one place, any place in the Bible where it says that is the way to be saved. So the carnal Christian is someone who is no different than the natural man. He's still governing his own life. He's still living like the devil. Oh, he's asked Jesus to be a savior. And over in the corner is a cross. So he thinks he is in. He thinks he is safe. But he most certainly is not. Then you've got the spiritual Christian. The spiritual Christian has a circle. There is a throne. And on the throne is a cross. And over on the edge of the circle is an eye. So the difference between the spiritual Christian and the carnal Christian is that the spiritual Christian has not only received Christ as his Savior, but he has received Christ as the Lord of his life. And now Christ governs his life. Unfortunately, the eye is still there. It is still a plague. But it no longer sits on the throne of that man's heart. That is a spiritual Christian. Listen, there are no other kinds of Christians than spiritual Christians. The carnal Christian is going to go to hell. He's not a Christian at all. A preacher will say and I'm sure there are preachers right now out there in big churches saying, and I have heard this all of my Christian life. They say it is important to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior because if you're not, you will go to hell. But not all true Christians have received Jesus as his Lord. So you can be a Christian and have Jesus as your Savior and not have him as the Lord of your life. 
Oh, it would certainly be good if you had him as Lord of your life. And, and he wants you to be the Lord, him to be the Lord of your life. And it would be good for you to receive him as the Lord of your life. But you don't have to worry about anything. If you have asked him into your heart, you are still a Christian bound for heaven. Beloved, you cannot enjoy the benefits of Christ's cross without bowing before the claims of Christ's crown. The only Savior there is, is a Lord. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And if you have received Jesus as your Savior, and you don't bow before him as your Lord, he is not yet your Savior. Now I say all that to say this. The only Christians there are, are those who run after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. If you think all you had to do was several years ago, ask Jesus into your heart, and you've just been living as you always have. It is my duty to tell you, because I love you, that you are most likely not a Christian at all. And you cannot just pick and choose from God's law what you obey and what you will not. He must be Lord over every single area of your life. By the way, why does a man or a woman want to run after righteousness, godliness, etc.? It is so he or she can make points with God, right? I'm going to be righteous and godly and faithful and loving and persevering and gentle. So God will be more impressed with me. There is not one thing you and I can ever do to impress God. Not one single thing. Understand that we don't chase down these things because we want to make points with God. We want to chase after these things because we love Jesus. And we want to please Him with all our heart. Because we are grateful to Him for dying on the cross for us. So what is it to pursue righteousness? That is what a Christian does. He runs after righteousness. So what is it to be righteous? Righteousness means to be conformed to God's law. It means you love God's law with all your heart. It means your mind. In your mind, you want to obey God's law in your mindset and in your outlook on life. You want to obey God's law in your behavior, in your relationships, and in the way you express yourself. God's law is the infallible standard of your life, inside and out. And you want to live your life in conformity to it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, the more you and I are righteous as Christians, the more you and I love the law of God and seek to think and live in conformity to it, the more like Jesus we are. And you know that there are so-called Christians out there today 
who cannot stand the law of God. I'm talking about professed Christians. Well, I'm free from the law. I can sin all I want and still get remission. You know, a few years ago, I preached on the necessity of keeping the Sabbath. And a visitor came up to me after worship and said, Pastor Wagner, I have been set free from obedience to the law of God as a Christian. And I will never again come under its authority. And he said, you will never see me again. And I thought, yes, that's probably true. Neither in time nor eternity. Those who hate God's law do not enter the gates of heaven. Those who do not pursue God's law as a cherished possession do not go to heaven. Study God's law, beloved. Know what God demands of you. And if you want to know the best explanation of God's law in practical terms, go get the Westminster Larger Catechism and look up the questions and answers having to do with the Ten Commandments. And and not only read all of the questions and answers, but look up all the scripture text, proof text, that explain and give biblical proof to the questions and the answers. And then sit down and talk about it with your children. It is the best book on ethics I know of anywhere. There are some other good books on ethics. One is a book simply titled The Ten Commandments by Thomas Watson. He was a 17th century Puritan, and he knew very well how to use the English language to make his point. So get his book and devour it. And if you want to know how the Ten Commandments apply to our modern world, and not just to individuals, but to various institutions and of our modern world, get what I think is the most important book written in the 20th century, Institutes of Biblical Law by R.J. Rushdoony. But the point is, why does a Christian want to learn all of these things? It is because, and here it says, if you are men and women of God, you are going to run after righteousness. We want to be righteous. And it says run after godliness. What is godliness? Listen carefully. Godliness is a heart Devotion to God. Paul has used the word several times in this epistle. Devotion to God. Pray. Lord, make me more devoted to you. And then you go run after righteousness and godliness. So when people see me and you, day in and day out, you remind them on a creaturely level. Of God. Oh Lord, may your character be reflected in my character. So run after godliness, run after faith. Lord, in this world, I know my faith will be weak. 
but I pray that you would strengthen it. I pray that you would bolster my faith in Christ and never allow it to waver. I pray you would help my faith in your word and in the promises of your word and to never let it waver. Your word will be under attack on every side, I know. Everyone will call me a fool to believe in you and your word. So run after faith. Pray like this man in the Bible. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe in you. And I believe in your word because faith is a gift from God. And not of works lest any man should boast. But sometimes... I don't believe so well. And sometimes my faith is shaky. Things happen around me and they produce doubt in me. But beloved, understand, there is never any reason to doubt Christ or his word. Never. Not one reason in the world. So pursue faith. Lord, may my faith be strong in this world. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.